This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey, what's going on, No Bad Dog Army? Happy Wednesday. Uh, hope everyone's doing extraordinarily well out there. I had such a busy freaking day today on the podcasts and on the calls and the members club just a crazy day uh hope you guys are are so well i really do like you guys who listen to my podcast are are the homies you guys listen you like you like what i say so much that you even will put me in your ears uh while you're doing all sorts of stuff so thank you so much from the bottom of my heart uh for supporting this podcast uh and just being the best that there ever was uh so this is a great podcast from start to finish it's one of those just rapid fire Problem, solution, problem, solution, problem, solution. Uh, great dog owner just struggling with their dog disengaging on walks. Um, ask some really great questions that I think you guys will definitely benefit from about when is it okay for your dog to actually go see another dog? Uh, what type of prong collar you should be using? I mean, there's just some good juicy stuff in here. And I know you guys will find it valuable if you're Definitely, if you're struggling with the dog outside um, and what the proper, it really comes down to what is the best way to transition your dog from really easy stuff to really hard stuff. And in this case, it would be how do I transfer my dog's inside obedience, which is great, to outside obedience. And as always, you guys remember to listen to the full podcast because at the end, I answer three questions. If you guys want to ask me your dog training questions personally, I will answer them here on the podcast. If you just said, how do I do that? I need my answers. All you have to do is go to the iTunes podcast that you're listening to this on and leave a review. And within that review, you can leave your question. It's about the only way you can comment to me on um, the podcast platform. So make sure you listen to the end and I'll answer your question next time. So we have a rescue. Um, She is two years old now. We got her at eight weeks. Uh, no, it's a song. Um, she, we found out she's a Pitbull Husky, um, which we ended up doing the DNA test to figure that out because they told us otherwise, obviously. Um, and she just, the energy is insane. She used to have food aggression, which we worked on that. We were po- uh, purely positive when we first started because I've never had a dog. And when you look up training videos on sure. YouTube, the first videos you get are like uh, all treat based training sure. so that's what i thought was correct um and none of it worked because her focus and her drive is super strong um so yep. it's like a dog pukes at the dog park or if there's food on the ground she used to fight for it okay um, so she she's two years old now you said right yeah okay and you've, you've had her uh, since a puppy yeah so we started watching your videos probably when she was around one and cool. we've been working on like the healing and the walking and stuff like that. But I just, I'm just really stuck with the transitioning of um, going from like walking around their neighborhood mm-hmm. to, you know, going to like Home Depot or walking at the park. Um, we'll even start off in like the parking lot and just try to like um, tune her up to the new places that she goes to. Um, I try to take like Home Depot or PetSmart or Petco at least three times a week. Um, But she just, if there's a dog, yeah, I feel really stuck. Like I feel like I'm not progressing anymore. Hence why we're on this call. I feel really defeated. Um, I know there's something I could do probably differently where she's on this she was on the prong for about a year now. Um, and we just, uh, James actually bought me the dog tread 380C after watching your videos Sweet. for Christmas this year. So I, I also would like to know how to use that properly um, and understand better, I guess. But, okay. So what are, yeah. you, what are you struggling with the most? The transition from practice to reality, inside to outside? 
Pretty much, yeah. So, like, if we're in our neighborhood, she's pretty good. Um, there's bar- dogs barking, like, through the fences. She'll sometimes lunge at them, sometimes she won't. Um, when she doesn't, obviously, it's, like, good praise. But, um, like, the other day, there was a terrier that was off leash in, in the front yard that we didn't see, and she chased us for about five houses down, and I didn't know if I should stop or just continue walking forward um or what do you mean you you mean i'm confused so so when you say that there was a there was a dog in your yard and you no, it was uh we were walking in the neighborhood oh okay and then a dog chased you guys five houses down chased you down yeah but she wasn't it wasn't like trying to it was just following us and barking Mm. um so i didn't really know what to do. Like Senna kept turning around and trying to, uh, I guess she was like kind of pulling, but I was able to like use the prong to continue walking forward. Um, but she kept turning around, kept trying to obviously see why this dog, mm-hmm. or what this dog was doing. Um, in those situations, I don't know what to do at the park. I don't really know what to do because there's so many dogs around. They're leashed, but um, she just gets so distracted. She doesn't stop pulling. Okay. So what, as far as behaviors go on the transition, the heel is the, is the hardest thing is that that's the hardest thing that you're struggling with. Okay. Do you have yeah, a focus as well? Okay. So engagement and yeah. okay. Just engagement in general, because engagement's yeah. kind of all encompassing with all your behaviors outside. Okay. Uh, so let's talk about, um, how big is she? Is she more like, like, is she's she like 75 pounds? Okay. 75 really pounds. Pretty tall. big. Yeah. Okay. And you said it was a husky pit bull mix. Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. Interesting mix, huh? Yeah. Ha <laughs> ha. So pit bulls are my favorite to train and huskies mm-hmm. are one of my least favorite to train. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll tell you why. Uh, pit bulls are the best because they want to work for you so much and they'll do anything, which, which is, you know, what gets them in trouble, I think in some areas, um, because they're so loyal, they'll do anything. Uh, and then huskies are just historically not good pets because they are really independent, working mm-hmm. outside, leave me alone type of dog, dramatic, vocal. Uh, and they don't oh. just from experience, they don't like to do obedience like Shiba Inus or even Great Danes, where they just don't really enjoy. They're like, eh. Uh, and then, you know, especially with, with Siberian Huskies, they're very vocal. So they talk back. So anyway, I just wanted to clarify why uh, the pros and <laughs> pros and cons. They're beautiful, yeah. but you know they're they're very challenging for pet owners to deal with because unless they're like actively working, they kind of like deteriorate into like this this uh, very dramatic dog. So mm-hmm. I'm sure you know, preaching to the choir, right? So, all right. So your heel inside. Why don't you explain to me how you're doing it? Um, but before you do that, do you have a break command? Oh, uh, we use release. But you have it, okay? Yes. Okay. So when you're practicing heel inside, how long does that look like? Like, so say you put her on your left side and you say her name and you say heel. Mm-hmm. How well does she do inside? Uh, she does pretty much like 98% of the time really well. Um, but again, if somebody else comes out the door or okay. um, something like that, then um, we'll put her in her place, which is, um, either the crate or her little bed that she has. Mm-hmm. Um, so as soon as somebody enters the mix is when she breaks the heel and pulls. Mm-hmm. Okay. How well do you think that she knows heel? Like how well do you think that she is captured time and time again, that heel means to be loose leash on your left side? That's kind of hard to say. Cause I feel like, on our street here, we'll do it perfectly fine. Even if there is, you know, a distraction, a car or anything, she'll be right next to me. Okay. Um, she'll be sniffing. But then if we're, I, I don't I, know. I would say like 60, 60% that she, she really understands it. Understands. Okay. Yeah. You'll heal. But then um, she won't. And we'll walk, you know, a few, maybe 20, 30 feet. 
and then she'll start to want to walk ahead, and then I gotta bring her in. Get back. Okay. So, a couple things. <clears throat> There's some things that I haven't ever really talked about that I can I can help you out with, uh, which is the finish command. So sometimes dogs. The finish command essentially is is a behavior that the dog wraps around you. And so typically when we heal dogs, it's on our left side. So if a dog is in front of you or it really the goal for the finish command is the dog to wrap around and end up on your left side. And then you can move forward with a heal command. I usually do this with dogs who have exhausted their recall or their come command because the owners have said it so much that it really doesn't mean anything, but it kind of means okay. something. So we want the dog to come directly to us and be by us. And the recall for the majority of people out there is come and then the dog comes within 15 feet of you and then just kind of dips out. And mm -hmm. we have conditioned and reinforced that that's actually what we want so much until we're outside in a distracted environment. And when the dog is 15 feet away and says, okay, this is my recall, it's not okay for us. So instead of trying to reteach, my point to you is, is instead of trying to reteach the recall in situations like that, what I'll do is I'll, I'll do recall, which gets the dog close, and then I'll do a finish command, which pulls the dog even closer. So it's a separate behavior that I tag on and bridge together to work smarter, not harder. So instead of trying to reinvent the reel with recall, because the dog's like, this is recall. So instead of you trying to reinvent maybe the heel because I oftentimes find that if you put a dog into a position that puts them into their left side they will capture the heel command better so they'll understand the heel better so what I've done in cases like this and this is something that you guys can do especially if the dog is very food motivated mm -hmm. is you can work on the finish I call it a finish command some people call it military heel but essentially, it's it's very, very, very easy to teach. Uh, with the right dog, you could do it in a day. It's very easy. I've done it in a day. Anyway, um, so I have a video on it, and I can't remember the name of it, so I apologize. But it is in my YouTube channel, and I want to say it's with – I know the dog. It's with Rookie the Golden Retriever at my old facility, and I think it's really geared towards polishing up a recall. And essentially, I do it on a wall, and I teach the dog place or a touch. I'm sorry, touch on a on a pad. Once you teach a dog mm -hmm. how to touch on a pad, you can teach them a lot of new behaviors because it's basically like go to your mark, and then you can put the touch pad in many places. You can put it in between your legs. You can put it on the left side. Of you. you can put it on the right side of you. And so essentially, you can start marking where your dog goes and then recapturing a behavior. Anyway, I don't want to overwhelm you with that. Um, I'll look to find that t uh, video and, and send it to you. I'm just going to write that down. Uh, send finish video. And I hope I can find it. Anyway, it's very easy once you get the hang of it. You put the dog in front of you. You put the leash in your right hand. You put your treat on the left hand. You say, finish. And then the dog you guide them you because they want to go right to the food they're going to go right to the food you say no no no, you got to go behind me and you you take your hand and you guide them around your back and then they slide into position once they're at their back and they know the food's there they go right there and i typically <clears throat> i typically will use a wall to ensure that they find the proper placement does that make sense yeah the only issue is i think we taught her how to do that with the word heel. Mm -hmm. So she so already, do, she already does it? Yeah, she just wraps around me and then sits on my Perfect. left side. So, uh, so maybe she's confused. No, 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 no. That's what I want. Oh. That's what I want. That's good. I didn't know that. Uh, so when you're outside, does she do that? Does she like, because it's kind of like resetting in a sense. You're mm -hmm. like, hey, heel. And then the dog has to reset. That's why I like using it because it, it puts the dog into a, a good position to be successful. Because I guess what I'm saying is, is sometimes you, as a dog owner, will like, like you said, like, I'm not really sure if my dog knows heel that much. I, but I do know that the dog does walk loose leash with me outside. So by resetting the heel and kind of recapturing it helps. So when you say heel outside, does she do that wraparound or does she not? Also, 50 50, I think it kind of de depends. Um, in the situation. She'll do it when you want to throw the ball. 
Sure. You can tell yeah. you. So, go right- yeah, and that's what I'm trying to get down to the bottom of. You gotta direct her to do it, and she'll do it. Yeah. So, direct her. Yeah. Okay. So that's something I would be having her do because my point is, is if, 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 if there's something of value to her or there's something that Mm -hmm. she wants and she does it. And then when you go outside and you say heal and you have different expectations that immediately tells the dog that you are going to flex to what she wants to do. If the expectation from the very get from the very jump is that wrap around heal and she doesn't do it outside. Like that's the first problem. Okay. That's why I wanted you to set it up is because it, it like I said before, is it kind of resets the dog to say like, on your mark, like get into position, ready, heal kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I would be having her do that to get her into a focused mode. First, that's the first thing is I would say, hey, heal and wrap around and make sure she does it outside because you don't want her to half ass anything because right. she's just going to so she's going to be so engaged with other things. So you got to be a little bit more strict with her. Uh, okay. So when you, okay. So let's just say you put her into a heel. She wraps around, you start moving forward. Is she looking at you or is she looking at other things? She's pretty much looking straight for the most part or to other things. Okay. Um, Um, okay. So, so when you're, when you're doing that, when she's looking at other, when she's looking at other things, are you correcting her for not looking at you? Are you saying anything? Or are you just allowing her to do it? Um, I say focus sometimes. Okay. If it's in a situation where it's like, um, I don't know. I'll say focus sometimes, but most of the time when we're walking and uh-huh. he's just looking forward or around, I don't really try to get her attention if she's next to me. Um, but if she's not, then I'll just try to heal her again. So you're, so your goal, your goal when you're doing this is for her to, to just walk nicely, correct? Yes. Okay, and that's that's cool with me too. I don't really care yeah. if my dog is looking at me or not. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, so she's she, she's kind of not really that engaged with you. She's kind of looking around. So what I would do is start to recalibrate her. And when you recalibrate her, what you're going to be doing is like if you watch my videos, it sounds like you have. Is when you I feel like- <laughs> okay, cool. So if you hear me talk about um, calibration or a tune-up, mm-hmm. depending on what year it is, it would be one of those things. Uh, that's what I like to do. So basically, you go out with the dog, and they may be looking, oh, squirrel, oh, oh, the neighbor, oh, what's going on over here? And then you just turn 180 at your heels, and you just zoop, and you turn around, and you are to then go the other way. So you yeah. say her name and you say heel. Oftentimes what people do is they make this rounded turn, which gives the dog more benefit of the doubt that I would like in this situation. So make sure that you 180 at your heels, just zoop, turn, just like a flip of a script, like a go-kart, just turning directions. Boom, it's done. Like a gazelle or a cheetah, just it's on the other direction. And what that does is you verbally say, basically you're saying, hey, I'm going this way. This will give you an opportunity to recalibrate your dog because she will likely, what most dogs do is they go forward. And then that's where you can say, hey, and you just give a quick pop on the collar. And typically, if you do this twice, the dog kind of boogies next to you and then starts looking at you. Like, all right, I got to pay attention to you. It's a beautiful thing to do. It's a very easy thing to do. And it makes dogs very successful at engagement because what you're trying to do essentially is you're trying to create an inside job with the dog. So when you turn, you're like, hey, I'm going this way. So you're keeping them guessing, essentially. You don't always have to go 180. You can turn left. You can turn right. You can turn inside to the dog. So if the dog is on your left, you can take your left leg and cut the dog off and just go like 90 that way. Mm-hmm. And and so what that does is it gets the dog engaged, and you want to continue to do that. You're basically trying to magnet the dog to you. You go this way, you want them to suck to you. You turn around, you want them to suck to you that way. You, you, you're doing all of these things to keep the dog engaged. And throughout that, you're doing a lot of operant conditioning. So good job, good job, good heel, good job. Yes, good, good girl, whatever. Um, and if you want to use a little bit of food, you can. If you want to use a toy at the end, you can. But you're, you're motivating the dog as much as you can. And, um, and what that does is it gets the dog engaged. I think... A lot of people have a hard time with engagement, especially with a heel, 
is because they go out and they're competing with the outside world with a dog, which Mm -hmm. is hard to do, very hard to do. It's like trying to have a business, a a very big business meeting at a local bar on a Friday night. It's like, it's not really fair. Like you just do it somewhere else. So you, so you have to start saying like, okay, let's, let's have some fun with this. You pay attention to me. Hey, I'm going this way. Hey, I'm going this way. And so it's not so much about the distance that you go in the heel. It's more about what you're doing outside. The duration of how long you're outside working with your dog is more important than the distance for the majority of what we're talking about with obedience. Because I think that what I would be doing is this is what I would do. I would go out and I would say heel and I would go five steps forward. One, two, three, four, five. Change directions, heel, and and correction if we don't. And then the dog, whoa, 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 where are we going? Where are we going? What are we doing? One, two, three, four, five. And I would turn left, bang, cut off. One, two, three, four, bang, another left. And then an outside turn would be taking your right shoulder and turning away outside, turning outside of the of, of what you're doing. An inside turn would be using your left leg to cut the dog off. And you're constantly saying, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this. And if they're doing well, good heel. And you'll find the dogs start jumping up and they get kind of hoppy. They're like, hey, this is this is fun, cool. What are we doing? This is great, you know? And they start engaging and then you release. Okay, release, boom. And then you let the dog be a husky pit bull. So it's engagement, 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 glue, 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 magnet, 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 break. And that break, uh, you want to have equal or greater time on the break than you do the work in comparison. Because when you're doing this in the beginning, which is what I would suggest you do, is just start over. I would say a healthy five steps each way times three, you're good. 15 steps, break. 15 steps, break. And again, um, I, I think we have to remember that dogs are animals. And when you're moving forward and th- they get tunnel vision, especially in a sidewalk, and especially if they've been so conditioned to say, hey, see this sidewalk that we're walking on or see this road we're walking on? We're going to be doing this for the next mile. So then they're like locked in. They're like, all right, nothing's changing. You're kind of like this mundane over and over, nine to five type clock in, clock out thing for the dog. And they don't they don't ever change directions. You might tug on them a little bit and say, hey, pay attention. Or they might have a terrier chase them down the road. But your job when you're out is to say, is to just poke at, hey, 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 yeah. and and get them to lock in with you. Because the more you can reinf- like positively reinforce that if you're walking next to me and you're doing good and you're you're icing on the cake. So this is the way I I, I look at it is try to try to th- try to be with me here. So when I turn and I say heel and the dog goes okay boom and turn yes good heel good and the dog's smiling at me like oh i think i'm doing it and you're like yes good heel good inside turn yes good heel and we're just grooving like we're in this groove and i'm like heel how about this way yes good heel heel how about this way yes good heel and then i'll say break and then i'll release and i do that with dogs and it takes like 30 seconds and the dog works so nice um but you're just teaching them like this is what i want this is what i want giving them a really fair shot at being successful but it's it's the I always talk about this is the micro and the macro of the heel is getting better, but your engagement is getting better, and your engagement is your relationship. That means when you go out, what what does your dog look for? Do they look for you, or do they look for somebody or something else? That's where you need to start. Okay. So just make it fun, and and the other thing that you can do is you can do a what I call a, a draw a quarterback drawback, which is exactly how it sounds is if you think of like a quarterback, when they take a snap, they just backpedal, they run backwards, Mm -hmm. right in the pocket. And so if you're out with a dog, I love doing that too. Just like when you turn and say, Hey, I'm going this way. You can drop, come and you could do a recall. You could say the dog's name and say, come. And then you can scuff your feet and, and draw backwards. And then the dog turn, the dog turns around and they see you moving and they see your shoulders down in a very playful, like targeting way. And they almost spring into like, we're playing and they come to you and you say yes good come and then they get in front of you and you can naturally just put your body straight back up and put your shoulders straight and the dog will probably sit right in front of you and you pay the dog and you say okay release and then you give him a break 
So you, I guess my point is, is for you with the heel, I want you to focus more on engagement than I do the actual behavior. Okay. You're going to be working on the behavior of heel, but you're going to be wor- more working on how do you get your dog's attention? Because that's probably your biggest problem right now is it's mm-hmm. not necessarily the, because if I watched you work your dog, I'd say, I don't really care about the heel. Your dog's not even looking at you. That's a bigger problem for me. Because okay. it, it's, it's like, you, I think the very first step you need to take with, with your dog is engagement. If your dog is looking at you, you're going to have way more chance at being successful with a behavior. But if your dog is not looking at you and your dog is checked out and disengaged with you, you're going to have more yield to failure on a behavior because they're not even paying attention to you. But if you get their attention, it's just like with people. Think about it. Like if I, if if you were talking to me and I was faced this way, you're you're not you're not going to learn hardly anything right. from well you know you're not going to learn you're not going to have a conversation with me right so i think it's important that like when you like especially like if i do a seminar if i walk mm-hmm. into the room and i have 30 40 50 60 people i'm like hey guys how's it going versus like hey can i get everybody's attention can you guys in the back hear me can you guys hear me over here i'm so excited to be here thank you guys so much for having me today we're going to be working on these things people are going to engage with me they're going to say, ooh, that's exciting. That's good energy. That, that, that gets my attention. So think about that with dogs. Is when you're out, they are like, ooh, piece of candy. Ooh, bird. Ooh, what's this? Ooh, what's that sound? They are hearing things. They are smelling things. They are seeing things. Everything is like kind of filtering through these very primal instincts. And then there's you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, so you just have to think about what you're doing. And if you're kind of, this is what I see people do, uh, is, is they get the leash and they kind of nag. Heel, 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 and they're just snapping back. And it's not doing anything because they're like, oh, my God, just shut up. You know, that's what the dogs are doing. <laughs> so anyway, so so does does that make sense so far? Yeah, it does. I guess um, would we just do this in, like, different – settings after obviously doing it at home on the driveway sidewalk and then when we transition to maybe going to like home depot would we do that first in the parking lot and then once we get into the store or like what would be i guess like that that's my biggest um like I, i don't know how to transition from like being at home in a controlled environment to uh yeah, it's it's so it's the three D's and, and it's called distance, distraction and duration. It's something I've been saying for many years and it's something uh-huh. I still believe in. And it's it's the it's exactly that is the distance and the distraction and the duration of what you're doing is going to level up. So you're going to copy and paste your training into different environments that are going to challenge those three D's. Mm-hmm. And so your job is, let's say, at home. You're working on, okay, let's say in your driveway, you can do 25 steps in a heel without any break, without without any distractions, with total engagement, and then you break after. And you can master that 25 every time. Your dog yeah. never breaks the loose leash. Your dog is always trying to pay attention to what you're doing. You got full attention. I think that that's what it comes down to with some dogs, if we think about it, is the attention span of like mm-hmm. how how much value are you providing me how much entertainment are you providing me that i i'm going to be locked on you and if you have a dog that's driven it's easier like with my dog lakota if i have anything on me a ball a toy a piece of treat that's it i am more valuable she wants to work with people more than anything else and she doesn't care who it is anybody could come over and if they grab a ball or a frisbee they're like yep let's go outside buddy let's go play they don't have to have a relationship. So if you have that, if you have that motivation, that's good. That's helpful. So when you take that 25 step process and then you switch gears, don't do what everyone does, which is, okay, now I'm going to go to a new location and do 25 steps here. What you want to do is you say, okay, I'm in a new environment. This is going to be more challenging. This is going to be different. I have to compete with more here. So do five steps again. And then build up 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, et cetera. It doesn't have to be exact. 
dog, there's no exact in dog training unless you're doing competitive work. This is building a better relationship with this dog in increments. And I'm just giving you an example of if you're doing 25, if you're doing 500 steps in the driveway and you transfer, don't do, don't try to, what you max out on, yeah. you know what I mean? Don't try to go yeah. and then tr- just get, get your feet wet a little bit and say, okay, this is a new environment. Let's see what we can work with here. I'm, I'm going to ask very little of you because this is new and mm-hmm. I'm going to set you up for success by doing a very small ask and then we're going to break. And then the dog gets into this routine where they're mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. So the way that I, I don't know if I heard this or I thought about this. One thing that's really helped me is if you think about, um, oh, I, I heard this on a podcast uh, that guy wrote a book on about habits. This is good. So think about um, like a, a wall of clay or like a wall of anything that's moldable. Once you start having patterns, once you have like, let's say you take a, I don't know, a ball and you roll it down that and you crease it in, right? Once you kind of have that muscle memory of going down this path, right? Like if, if, or if water was going down a stream that was open. Once that's open, once that's locked in, once you have that pathway of like the, the, the path that's easiest to go down, once the dog gets into that habit, okay, and you get locked in, you're going to be way more successful in different environments, but you have to lock in your handling. So you say, so it's just like an athlete, right? In practice, mm-hmm. like if you're the best athlete in the world at what you want to do, basketball, soccer, whatever, doesn't matter. You're the absolute best, but you cannot perform at all in a game. It's irrelevant. No, no, right. nobody cares. So my point is, is when you're transferring and copying and pasting your exercises into these environments, that muscle memory of how you handle and how you in- encourage the dog to say like, Hey, we're here, but we're going to do this. Let's go. Let's go over here. Hey, let's go over here. Let's go heal. Let's go heal. Let's go heal. You know, things like that. Just get into this groove with dogs. And I think that people just get so robotic and they don't, you have to have some finesse when working. Imagine like having no finesse working with like a horse, Yeah. you know, an animal that changes so fast, so powerful, so quickly. And you have to be able to give and take and you can't go back to your rule book and say, oh, well, horses aren't supposed to do that. Well, they did. (laughs) So now what are you going to do? So mm-hmm. it's the same thing with dogs is you have to get very creative and flexible with what you're doing in order to really be successful. So when you're handling, make sure that your vibe and your energy and your handling skills and the things that you're saying are are, are copy and pasted right. Okay. So that means when Jimmy walks her, he needs to do the same thing that I do. Yeah. Vice versa. Yeah, you right? don't... Yeah, yeah, you don't want to you don't want to switch it up because then what you'll get is you'll just get a dog to be opportunistic. I see. Then they'll say like, ah, "I'll listen to you, but I won't listen to you," right? And whoever wants mm-hmm. to take that can. You know, it's 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 just like parenting. Okay. It's ha- but it's a lot of voice inflection too. So what does that mean? Mm-hmm. That means here's what happens to me all the time. Okay, so we get the wife handling and it's Fido, sit, down, stay, break, good break, perfect. And then the husband gets the leash. Fido, sit, 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 right? So it's yeah. technically the same word, but your voice yeah. inflection is, it's the difference between, you know, what LeBron James can do with a ball versus what we can do with a ball, right? It's the same mm-hmm. thing, kind of, but what you just did was completely different. So you have to make sure that you guys, when you're handling, that you're on the same page with with your with your voice inflection and how you're doing it. Because I find that that's the biggest conflict. Because then, because then he says, "I said heal." It's like, well, you did, but you didn't say it how you're supposed to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but that's all handling and, and handling animals and going out and doing what I'm saying is not as easy as what it is. And if you, and like I said, you watch my videos, you can see every day, week after week after week, sometimes twice a week, you can see me say, Hey, the same things I'm telling you, put your arm down, stop talking to the dog, stop mm-hmm. looking at the dog, breathe, put your shoulder straight, look forward, who's in charge, who's driving. 
And I have to say it five times per session, per person, right. all the time. So it's a habit and it's just it's just hard for people to kind of grasp some of the things I'm saying. Now, would I be doing all of this continuing with the prong or do I transition to e-collar or do I use both or? Um... Okay, so the e-collar for me in, in most scenarios and applications is the, it's a privilege and it's the gravy on top. Right. So I get very frustrated when people are like, I don't want to have to use the e-collar. I'm like, that's like saying like, I don't want to have to get the best thing ever. It's like, that mm -hmm. is a privilege. And I know you didn't imply that. I'm just saying the, the my point is, is the, the remote collar is the finishing touches on top of your pre-existing obedience, the way okay. that I do it. Okay. Like I think a lot of people are on the same page as me as far as training goes, but there are some people who don't. They use it just as a compulsion training unit or an, just a correction, or they just apply it as a correction, which I, I, who am I to say that that's wrong? All I'm saying is this is not how I do it. So I don't, I, what I would be, the prong okay. <laughs> is your answer. I, I always have to <laughs> give more than, than you bargain for, but the prong is the answer because I want you to focus on your handling before you start getting into tech tech stuff. You, okay. you can certainly use the remote collar, but I, I just feel like it's better if you work on this, you know, w on a solid form of handling physically. Okay. What size prong collar do you have and do you think it's fit right? Uh, we got the 2.25. Nice. And then... Um, she's, it's kind of weird cause it's kind of in between. So if I take one link off, it's too tight. If I put okay. one link on, it slides down, which it's fine. I, I just pull it back up. Okay. Um, yeah. Just make sure it's nice and snug. That's all. I was just curious that you, 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 I can tell, you know what you're talking about. So I trust you. You're good. Just, uh, yeah, just make sure that, you know, every now and then you slide it up. And, and like mm -hmm. I said before is I would, um, I would be, this is like, it's hard for me to explain, but again, when you're doing this engagement, you're looking for the amount of time the dog is walking next to you on the left side, almost like a point system in a video game. It's like ding, 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 break, right? So when you're doing, you almost want to be ahead of the dog. So when you're walking forward, the dog always, sometimes dogs want to be, they want to be ahead of you. Yeah. So if you do a directional change and you're like, hey, I'm going this way, and you slow things down, that's what I want you to do is when you're out, slow things down. Everyone everyone, you know, starts off straight, they put their head down, they start looking at the dog, and then they start sprinting around the neighborhood. And mm -hmm. don't do that. You want to be very precision-based. You want to be very slow-mo-based. You want to say, heel, one, two, three, turn directions. Pay attention mm -hmm. to me because you got to remember dogs have four legs. We have two. So if yeah. you're sprinting around and you're moving fast and you're like Mr. Jetson just all over the place, it's it's going to be harder to A, understand if the dog is paying attention or if they're just or you're just keeping up with each other. And it also doesn't give you an opportunity to what I call proof the dog on directional changes and things like that. So slow things down. When you're walking forward – slow it down. And, and that's why I do like this stop and go or this red light, green light as I yeah. move forward and I stop and then the dog will look at me and then back up. Mm -hmm. And this is like five minutes after ever working with the dog that's never healed before. And it's like, Oh my gosh, how'd you do that? I, I was like, well, I, I used, I used a pressure system with the, with the leash to teach them that they have to, they can't pass this line. And if they do, they get corrected. And I okay. usually just put in like this warning cue I call it like a like a verbal warning cue because it really doesn't mean anything other than like er, er, and I usually just go ah, ah, mm -hmm. ah, and then it's usually associated with a with a reinforcement of a correction after. But I, okay. I use that a lot. It's very non traditional. It's very like I don't know. It's just what I've done my whole life just with my <laughs> personal dogs and so okay. it's there is no rhyme or reason to it. But that's what I like to do is say hey hey whoa 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 watch your step bud. Hey, 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 pay attention to me, right? And I'll do that little ah, 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 ah. And that, that's always helpful too. Um, the, the other thing that when you're working on this is, is your corrections. Are you familiar with like how to correct properly and how to not do it? 
Um, I mean, like the pop. Yeah, based on your videos, it's like if she's already at the end of the right hold, you have to lean forward, try to get that loose leash back. And so, where do you? Yeah, where do you feel like you're struggling with the most? Like, so say you have her on the leash. Yeah. It sounded like engagement was the first thing. Is she just wasn't yeah. paying attention? So I think that that's going to be helpful. So outside of that, is it when you see a, another dog or another distraction, she just boom goes? She first will like stare, stare down for however long, like while we're walking. Uh-huh. And, and I think she wants to play. Um, she pretty much wants to play. A lot of she wants to play. Um, and then she'll do the bow, mm-hmm. like when they're on the on the their front is down on the ground and her butts up. Like a play and bow. She'll start kind of like yeah, and then she'll just start freaking out, and then that's where I'll just try to say leave it and then keep going. You know, give her a little correction and then like keep moving forward, but it's impossible to keep moving forward when she's like planted and it's just like jumping back and forth and she'll actually pull me back sometimes okay. and I get really frustrated. So then we go to re- like chill somewhere else for a second before I'm like, cause I don't want to get mad for no, no reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so then I'll feel pretty defeated and then we'll go home. <laughs> um, something like, or we'll try to walk it off, but, Usually once the first it's like broken or her focus is, or it's like all gone, basically I lose all control. I don't feel confident to continue the walk. Um, Cause I'm just like pissed off at myself for not seeing it happen or whatever. Um, and then that's pretty much how it goes. Okay. Usually if you see something then she'll. What is she like? Like what does, does she, she like? Yeah. Like motivation wise, like what do you pay her with? Uh, so she loves to eat everything. Um, so she scavenges like crazy too. Like, um, I guess she was living on the streets before we, we got her. So she, she used to eat rocks in our yard. She used to eat, um, everything. So she continues to scavenge with pine cones. So you can get away with feeding her kibble and she'll work for that? Yeah, she loves Okay. Yeah. So what I would do is... When you're when you're out there and you're working with her, that's something that you have to really start um, focusing on is is like a good reward system because you have to teach her how to make the right decision. Because basically right now is what it sounds like is when she goes out and she sees other dogs, she wants to play. So mm-hmm. she's like, hey, what's up? What's up? What's up? Right? And she's like, Let's, hey, what are you doing over there? Hey, come over here and play. And so... You have to be proactive. So, be as the dog is loading to go into this playful, because it, it it it's harder to get a dog out of this already engaged. I've I'm jumping off the deep end here. I'm like ready to go. Same thing with reactivity on the other end of the spectrum of like barking hysterically or aggressively. Is once they kind of commit to that action, once they've committed to the play and the play bow and the, because that's how animals are. Like they they're very primal with how they interact and so once they commit to like a gesture of like hey i'm playful come hang out it's hard to get them out of that because they've made a decision to do it so your job is to also watch the behavior of the dog and again using the so this goes to what we were saying earlier is using the obedience cues as leverage or as countering things in your in your relationship with your dog of like Hey, why don't you come do this instead? And you have mm-hmm. to make sure that you have a reward system in play to help the dog get over this. So making better decisions to say like, hey, I'd rather go and get paid by one of you guys than to play with the dog I don't know that I can't even play with. Right. And so in the beginning, it's going to be heavily based off of a reward system. So if you have a treat pouch, that's what you would go out. You would, I think the drawback recalls uh, would lock the dog into you and you'd be very successful with that because the okay. drawback recalls are essentially like this re- resetting thing of taking the dog's attention from looking forward to turning their back to actually whatever was just in front of them to looking towards you. And okay. if you sit there and you work on like, so if you do that drawback, so say you see another dog 
and you can see your dog start to build and get excited and maybe breathe different and lock in harder, you would do the same thing. You turn and you'd say heel. Now you would do this because you've already been practicing this out of context mm-hmm. of seeing the dog. So it's fair to say, and it's fair to have the expectations of when I say heel and turn, you do the same. We've been working on this. And if you don't, bang, correction. So then you get the dog tuned up really quick. They're like, oh, okay, sorry. And they, they tune up with you. And once they're kind of tight with you and they're paying attention, that's where you're going to have a lot of success by doing those drawbacks is you're, you're just drawing back really quick to say, hey, work for me. Sit. The dog's sitting there staring at you, licking their chops. You pay him a little bit of kibble. You remove the kibble. You pay him a little bit of kibble. You remove the kibble. The dog walks by. And then you go right back into a heel. And then shortly after that, you go into a break. So if, if you want to give the dog three pieces of kibble, three tiny pieces of kibble for engaging into you and to locking into you, as a dog is walking by, that's going to be the first step to modifying how he actually interacts with these dogs. So if you say, hey, basically you can eventually condition the dog to see other dogs and then just get hungry, you know? And, and so it's yeah. a little bit of an avoidance thing, but it's, it, it's going to be, that's my best advice to you because you are struggling with some of the handling. And so it's sometimes it's just e- it's an easier route to just say hey come over here for a second, and then bo- and it it'll take twelve seconds. It sh- this should not be a twenty minute thing, a five minute thing, or a three minute thing of like your walk. It should be you see a dog, and you say okay my dog's gonna get very overly stimulated right now, and until I have control over my heel, I'm just gonna suck the dog target the back to me, pay him, good sit, good sit, heel, and go forward again. Um, but I think in the future, you would translate that to just walking by other dogs with okay. less reaction. So you're not doing that forever. You're just doing that in the beginning because I want you to not get frustrated. Because if you get right. frustrated, then it's over. Training's done. Yeah. So I think you'd be happy with that. But you got to remember to practice the engagement before you apply it. So don't don't. Don't say, okay, here comes the dog. Let's practice. This is something mm-hmm. you should have, you should be doing way before you have to apply it. Okay. All right. And I guess the, one of the main things we've had an issue of, this just recently started last end of summer-ish, I want to say, where I don't know if it's anxiety or if it's excitement, but her crying in the car has gone from zero to a thousand, like to the point of where I, I I just don't want to drive her anywhere ever. Like, I don't know what happened. Like she just won't. And it's not even like a, well, sometimes she'll do little whimpers. So she'll start from like little whimpering and then it just goes into like a full on, not a husky scream. She doesn't scream like huskies do. She just cries nonstop, even if we get her to lay down even if we get her to um, sit or whatever, like until we get to any destination, it's just a constant mm-hmm. crying. When you, I don't when you When you're bringing her places in the car, or where are you bringing her mostly? Oh. You gotta sit eight miles. You gotta sit where are we bringing her? Yeah. I mean, we t- kind of take her everywhere, to the park, to the Home Depot, to the dog store, to his mom's house okay. to New Jersey. <laughs> okay. So there's a couple things is who, who really knows why we're crying, right? Nobody knows. Uh-huh. I don't know, but I can tell you that sometimes what happens is dogs get very conditioned. Mm-hmm. So let's put it this way. If you ring a doorbell and your dog barks, that means that they're conditioned that somebody else is on the other end of the door. That's what that means. You get your leash out and they get excited. That's conditioning. So, this is a form of uh, classical conditioning. So essentially, if you put her into the car and bring her like very fun, exciting places, yeah, then it makes sense why she is starting to build this excitement and anxiety because she's like she's what you just listed: Home Depot, the dog park, the in-laws, yeah, <laughs> all that stuff. She's like that's what that's maybe why she's whining. Are we going to? It's like a lotto. It's going off in her head. She's like, I can't wait. Where are we going to go? Are we turning left? Are we turning right? Are we going straight? Are we going to New Jersey? What are we doing? Are we going for long? Mm-hmm. We, you know, it's like this whole Buddy the Elf thing. 
and it, and 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 that's sometimes what what creates anxiety for dogs is if you put them into the car and you bring them somewhere really f- that's why dogs don't like the vets right everyone's like hey i want my dog to be better at the vet i'm like well then start bringing your dog to the vet more often because every time they go twice a year they get poked and prodded with something i wouldn't like the vet either actually i don't like going to the vet because <laughs> it usually means there's a problem so anyway um so so just try to recondition this by putting the dog in the car not going anywhere just feeding like taking the two cups of kibble and and going to do hand feeding in the car and start breaking down that the car doesn't always represent now you're going to go somewhere and then you can and then you can start desensitizing it by going around the block coming back parking and getting out and that might seem mean in the beginning and it might be but at least it's going to help starting to desensitize that when you get in the car and we go somewhere you're going to go somebody you're going to go somewhere super fun because that's what will build anxiety. So if you like, we have a doggy daycare at one of our facilities mm-hmm. and, um, people tell us all the time, like, Oh, when we pull in to the daycare, they get, or when we pull down the road or we pull on the road, they get so crazy. It's because they know where they're going. Yeah. And they're going somewhere fun. It's the same thing with my dog. If I pulled down a certain road to her grandparents, air quotes, right my wife's parents, right? Where it's just fun and games and backyards and, and just woo, right? Then she does the same thing. She's like, oh, I'm here. And she paces and she whines and I don't care. See, that's the thing is like, I, it only happens at that moment and it's yeah. war- it's warranted. And it's only for a minute, literally. And it's warranted because she knows where she's going and I don't care mm-hmm. because it's only at that moment. If I told her to get into the back and lay down, she would because she has obedience. But it would be suppression because she doesn't want to do it, but she'll still listen. So mm-hmm. you don't have that control. So what you need to do is you need to start desensitizing what the car means to the dog because it's likely that because your dog is going to all of these really fun places, when she gets in, she's like, what's it going to be? Yeah. Uh, alternatively to that, you know, there's some things that can trigger these things like talking to the dog. Um too much it's not like super super big deal uh in these situations but just make sure that you're as calm as a cucumber for the most part and you're not trying to like feed into the situation like don't say like it's okay it's all right just i wouldn't say anything i'll just load the dog and and then ride around but anyway i would start desensitizing these things uh if your dog is pacing back and forth uh, habitually and constantly, uh, a crate also might be a good idea depending on what kind of vehicle you have, what kind of space you have. Um, but just making their world less smaller, which will limit some of the pacing, but you'll probably still get the anxiety. So that may, may not make much sense. Um, I think the first thing you should start doing is, is working on desensitizing the car and what it means. Okay. Because that's what you'd have to do if, like, your dogs go crazy when you get the leash out. You'd have to just put the leash on them every 10 minutes just to start saying, mm-hmm. hey, this doesn't mean that anymore. Just kidding. It's a joke. doesn't mean that anymore. Stop it. Because it creates, you know, anxiety. That's the thing. It's like mm-hmm. people don't realize. That's why, I te- that's why I tell people, you know, like, don't have these conversations with your dog. Like, hey, do you want to go do this? And then it creates all this anxiety because they're like, oh. <gasps> I do, but you're a human and I'm a dog and I can't talk to you. How do I talk to you? I jump up and down and I whine and I get anxious. This is how I talk. So you got it. So calmer is better, less is more. And I think that that would be my recommendation because I just think that dogs in general can get anxious in the car. I think mm-hmm. that they're animals and it, it doesn't like superly crazily surprise me that they're in a moving car and they're all of a sudden like, eh, I don't know about this. That makes sense. It does. <laughs> all right. Um, so I guess we'll just work on those. I don't think I have. And then meeting a dog will come later once we really hone in on these things. Yeah. I mean, if your dog is overly friendly and you can see that clearly of the play bowing and all that stuff, I think if yeah. you have another dog that is also friendly, I mean, obviously your dog is trying to tell you like, Hey, I want to go play. Like yeah. I want to go play. And and I think you just have to have a time that that's where like the break comes in though. That's where the release comes mm-hmm. in. That's where the recess comes in. That's what I mean is I, I just don't think you have that control because I think if you have good enough obedience and your dog loved other dogs, you should be able to still go out and get a, 
very great heel past other dogs and not engage with those dogs until you say break. Yeah. I mean, I can do that with my dog. She loves the ball. It's her favorite thing in the whole world. I can throw the ball across the yard and she'll, she'll shake, but she'll heal and she'll down and she'll sit and she'll stay and she'll look at me and I say break. She's gone. Yeah. You know, so, so obedience. And I, I just don't think you have that yet, but as far as meeting other dogs, it sounds like your dog is friendly. You don't have to worry about that. It's just making sure that your dog is meeting the right dogs and you are, you are making her work for that meet and greet. So when you see that other dog that is also equally friendly, play bowing and tail wagging and excited and you know, you're like, Hey, can they meet? Like, yeah, sure. Super friendly. Then you would say break and then or release. And then you'd release the dog to go play. You just got to be careful because once you kind of open that uh, floodgate, then it's like every dog we see. So I tell people all the time, like I see puppies in, um, like in a busy area and people just like have these dogs and these puppies on harnesses and the, the dog, they just let their dog go up to everybody and every person. I'm like, you are job security for me because at six months or uh, at 12 months or whatever, your dog is going to be so anxious and want to go see every single dog is going to drag you around this town because of what you're doing right now. So mm-hmm. it has to be, it has to be on your terms. Just like with kids. I don't go to school. I play games all day. No, you don't. You got to work. You got to, you got to go to school. You, you got to learn. You can't just sit at home and play games all day. But if you allow them to do that until they're 13 and then you say, okay, time to go to school, it's going to be a nightmare. So make right. sure that you have control first before you just let your dog go and play with another dog. It's almost an earned thing. And I don't mean to sound like too militant because I'm, I'm definitely no. not. I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not that guy. I'm actually pretty passive and laid back. But I, I do make sure that my dog's mental state of mind is in a good place before I reward them with just playing with the dog. So I think as long as the other dog is friendly and your dog is friendly and you can get like two seconds of obedience – and then a break on your terms, you're fine. Okay. Or if you have like play dates with your friends and they have, you know, just, just, it would just be, it would just be a very, it basically like say, say, um, say I came over to your house and you had a little kid that loved lollipops and I had a lollipop in my hand and they came up and grabbed it out of my hand. You'd say, um, excuse me, ask politely first. And it would be like, I have neighbor kids, so it's always like, Mr. Tom, Mr. Tom, Mr. Tom. So cute. So it would be, Mr. Tom, can I have that? So it would be, it would be sit, like do something first for me, please. Mm-hmm. Okay, break, now you can have it. And it's just that form of like impulse control, not just give me, give me, give me, give me, bang, take it out of your hand. You'd be like, whoa, where's the uh, parenting in that, you know? So I, I think it's just having them work a little bit for that is, is really healthy, really healthy. And do I let them play for a long time or just whatever? It's up to you. It's up to you guys. It doesn't matter like at all that, that like, don't overthink the play. It's, it's just making sure that you give them permission to do it. I think that that's overlooked is people just need they, they need to demand more engagement and permission slips type things with their dogs instead of just letting them do, 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 do. Like I said, I see it all the time with puppies. People just think, I have a puppy, and they just sit there at the end of a leash in a harness, and the, and the dog goes up to every dog, which is cute, but not to me. I'm like, you are creating a monster because mm-hmm. you got it. Like, at least make the dog sit before they go and engage. Yeah. Because if you don't do that, like I said, especially I see it a lot. I, I'm just thinking about this one case with like a, it was a puppy Labrador. So big, it's dog's going to be big, 60, 70 pounds, big thing. It's going to be dragging you all around here and you're going to be struggling and you and your wife aren't going to be able to walk your cute dog anymore because it's going to pull mm-hmm. you everywhere and it's going to sit at home and get fat. <laughs> and it's just sad. So you always yeah. just want to say, hey, you know, eat your vegetables before you get your dessert. You got to work. You can't just, I'm going to school and it's recess all day. It's like, you know, you don't, you don't, that's not how it works. It's not like I'm going to, I'm going to work 40 hours a week at home doing nothing all day and get paid. No, you got to work. 
Mm-hmm. So, all right, you guys, you've reached the end of the podcast, which means I'm going to answer three questions. Okay, and this one, I I got to freaking write down and remember the ones that I did. I'm so sorry if I forget anybody. I truly do. Uh, but this one, I think I said last time, and it's just uh, it's just somebody tooting my horn, and I'll say it again. Uh, this person just said, just listen to the podcast about the stage video, and I want to let you know that you're the reason my dog has a good life. I was ignorant and uneducated about the e-collar, and your videos helped me realize how great these tools are. So Nita, I think Nita Jobs, thank you so much for the review. That doesn't count as one, so don't worry. But this one, Game Changer, Kennedy Taylor 12. Forever grateful for Tom and the No Bad Dog Army. Not only is the podcast educational, but it really gives me insight in Tom's process and how he speaks to his clients and helps me relate to my own dogs. So thank you, Tom, for the podcast, YouTube, and No Bad Dog Club as I joined as well. Content is unreal and total game changer. If you guys don't know about the the members club, click the link below. Okay, the question is, is I have two German Shepherds. My most recent rescue, Sarge, has food reactivity and some resource guarding. His food or bone and me even sometimes. I've been hand feeding him, learning how to play with him and working every day on basic commands and he's come a long way. Thanks to your insight. Good to hear. But I am struggling with the leave it command. I want to play ball with him, but because he seems inter- he, he seems interested, he doesn't really know how to play. But once he gets the ball, I can't get him to drop it for me, and I don't want to get too close to him or growl or guard. How do you recommend teaching leave it in this case? Okay, good question. What I would do, I'm assuming your name is Kennedy, but I'm not sure. It could be Taylor. What I would do is I would get whatever ball you're using for fetch, I would get one, I would get two of them with squeakers. And what I do is I put the dog on a long line and basically when you throw the ball, you want to encourage them to bring it back. So come, 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 come. You kind of just, you kind of reel them in with the long line. The long line allows you to be more successful so they can't run away from you or they can't blow you off. You you want to teach them like the game because a lot of times in the beginning, they're like, I'm not dropping this because you're going to take it. So what you want to do is bring the, Bring the dog back by reeling them in, and when they get close to you, you'll squeak the other dog, the other ball, and then usually they drop the ball they have in their mouth, and then you throw it, and you just keep recycling that um, and see how that works. So the long line allows you to be more successful so the dog doesn't wander off. And then the other thing is, is you have an opportunity to kind of squeak the ball, which gives you uh, kind of like, hey, what about this one? And then they, ooh, piece of candy, and they drop it, and you throw it, and you kind of get into this wash and rinse cycle, and then the end goal is to just use one ball, and they come and they drop it. Um, so once the dog starts coming back, you just start marking drop or out, and you and then you would squeak the ball, and then as soon as they drop that ball, yes, and you throw the ball. So as soon as they drop it, you throw it. What a lot of people do is they literally will drop, and then the dog finally, you finally get them to drop it, and then we go, sit, do not do that. Do If they finally do what you've been trying to get them to do for months or weeks or whatever, don't don't bite it off again. Don't say, okay, now do this. As soon as they drop that ball, you squeak the ball in your hand, get them excited. Yes, good drop. And you rip that ball right back down the, the, the way there. I hope that that helps. Next question is from, wow, I don't know this name, uh, but uh, it's S-H-S-K-A-K-M-D-N, all this stuff. Sorry. Thank you for your dog knowledge. Hi, Tom. I've been following you for a little while now, and I've really enjoyed your YouTube and podcast. Thank you for teaching me so much about how to communicate with my dog, Henry. He is really good dog, but thanks to you, thanks from what I've learned to you. But I do have a question that I'm hoping that you have an answer for. Henry knows a lot of basic commands that also allows us to enjoy a stress-free walk together. However, whenever there's another dog or a pack of dogs, my community likes to do pack walks on Sunday, he tends to get more competitive and always wants to be in front of me and all the others. What's the best way to correcting? Okay. Um, so this question, my friend is actually answered in the podcast that we just put out and I know that that, that's going to help you Um, how do you correct him for pulling during a pack walk Um, it doesn't seem to be as effective well when you're when you're walking with a bunch of dogs you just have to kind of go with the pack Um, so if you have dogs in front of you you can't if you have dogs while you're walking and they're in front of you, it's going to be harder. So I would just master your heel like I talk about in this podcast, and I think that that would be helpful for you. But you just, you're looking for more of a loose leash than you are the dog to be right next to you in that case. Like if he's loose leash walking with other dogs in front of him, I think that that would be a win. I hope that that helps. 
Um, brain lover, nom, nom, nom. No questions, just praise. I left the vet field two years when I, when our clinic euthanized a two-year-old German shepherd due to aggression, knowing that she could have been saved and trying with a failure uh, to change the vet and owner's mind. And I began to pursue a creating a dog training modification. So I have to say, I learned everything. I love everything that you have to say. There is no such thing as a bad dog. I have so much praise by the way you've helped me and put words into terms for clients so they can understand. So thank you for putting out free content and helping both of the average pet owner and dog trainers everywhere. Keep doing what you're doing and making the world a better place. One human and dog relationship at a time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Brain lover. Nom, 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 nom. You're the best. Thank you so much. I'm going to get into another one because that really wasn't a question. Love the podcast. I look forward to listening every week. I feel like I know the answer, but I would like your opinion. My question is, is it possible to teach heel without consistent eye contact and then and then form it into competitive heel? Or is it best to teach them as a separate command? I'm advancing my dog's obedience to be a demo dog and would like to give her more eye contact when working with certain dogs. Um, if you already have the heel that's not competitive already in place, which it sounds like you do, and you want the focused heel and you want the dog to look at you, I think you would just add a secondary bridge to that to then bridge the two together. That would be easier. Because if you go back and you try to recreate a behavior that the dog has been doing for a while and you start correcting them for doing what they were told it was okay to do in the beginning, it might be a little conflicting. So I would just add the secondary look or focus command to get that head up forward. So I hope that that helps. we got a bunch of great questions for next week. Thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. I appreciate you guys very, 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 very much. We are an award-winning top charting podcast um, in, in all different categories because of you guys. You guys are the absolute best. Um, if you keep listening to these, I'll keep making them. No Bad Dog Army, strong as hell. If you guys want to join the Members Club, click the link in the description below. Thank you guys so much. I'll talk to you next time. Talk to you next week. Okay. Oh, oh, next week, great podcast great podcast it's already recorded i might even drop it on saturday instead of monday but it's great okay i can't wait for you guys to listen okay i gotta go bye this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the hvac is humming and his facility shines with Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces plus 24 7 customer support his venue never misses a beat Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.